Hello, <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Word on the Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And my name is Father Peter Moset. We're Lanky. And, oh my gosh, my pop's overflowing. <laughs> did you get it? We, we, I did. Nice. I did. Um, I had to run down the hill, and, and I went and I, down the hill? I put my... Did I say the hill? Yeah, because we're the word on the hill. Oh, we're the word on the hill. I ran down the hall <laughs> because I really wanted a soda before we started here. I'm up in Keystone at the priest convocation, mm. which is uh, where all the priests are called together. Hunts, con, voco, vocare, vocation. We're all in the priestly vocation. And uh, and uh, so I'm up there. You're in, in Boulder on the hill. Still. And I'm up on Keystone's hill. So we're both on a hill. Uh, yes, we're on a hill. And I was really excited. I was like, dude, I really want to pop. So I went to the vending machine and put in all my change. And you know there's a, this experience when you go to a vending machine and you put all your change in and you hit the button and you're like, is this going to work? Like it literally, oh, yeah. it, it really is. Every single time you use a vending machine, you never you're not know. quite sure you're going to get vended. No, and about a third of the time I feel like I don't get vended. Dude, I, I was in England once hmm. and uh, they had like a Ben and Jerry's vending machine like right outside of the international plane. And You're kidding I me. I was like. A Ben and Jerry's I'm, vending machine? Yeah, wow. and I was like, dude, this is awesome. I'm gonna hook this up. Mm. So I, I put in like my like 19 pounds, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> everything really just yeah, like holy cow. And so, but I mean, I just wanted some Ben and Jerry's, and um, and uh, I they totally jacked me, <sighs> and I took down the I took down the number, but as I was taking <laughs> down like the vending machine number, like everybody was silently judging me. Of course they were. They were like, they're like, you're not gonna use Who that, bro. Who do you bro. think you are? You're not gonna have, make that happen. How sad. What a sad story. I know, so I didn't get the Ben and Jerry's. Well, here's a not sad story. So we, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but in NBC News, right, on their website, mm-hmm. NBC News today features Father Peter Musset from Boulder, Hi. and uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a great article about how Pope Francis is bringing a lot of lapsed Catholics back to the church, and there's a great quote from Father Peter and there is a picture of Father Peter that is like 18 times as big as the picture of the Pope, which is completely <laughs> disproportionate to your your one quote, which is a very good quote, but it was just the one. And there's a giant, giant picture of you. It's a it's yeah, a good it, picture. I'm not bashing the picture, I, I, but man. Yeah, I was I was looking at that, and I, and like the the priests up here, they're like, "Wow, you got a big big picture." You, you might see your Bernie; he's like clapping and laughing because my picture is so large. And oh, and then there's the Pope funny. underneath you, like seven times smaller. It's it's pretty crazy. He's just more humble than you are. And I had some really killer quotes in my interview, and she used uh, my quote literally is like, "I had five people tell me in one week they were coming back to the church because of Pope Francis." Yeah, it's a that's, it's a good quote. That's cool. I mean, it's it's almost like word up. I mean, like I think that that's how it comes up. I'm mad because there's no reference to the Lanky guys. Dude, I was trying to slip it in. I'm just kidding. I didn't. My but we're, but um, I am on the front page of Spirit Daily, which is my mother's favorite news source. Spirit Daily, are you? Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like a Drudge Report, but for like mystical phenomenon around the interwebs. Did they pick up the NBC story? They did. Oh, okay, so it's not a t- different story. No, it's it's the same story. Whoa, so. Spirit Daily is an interesting. Yeah, it does look like <laughs> the Dredge Report. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's the same format, and it's it's wild, man. It's wild and woolly. Satan actor amused by Obama comparison. 
right next to the mystery of scrupulosity. <laughs> Dude. There you go. I don't see you. I'm not seeing you. It's the it's the headline. It says Pope Francis is Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that one. Oh that, that giant one. Uh. <laughs> if you've ever read the Drudge Report or Seed Spirit Daily, you now how know how absurdly large that <laughs> it's really big. Well, My mom was like, You're famous. Like le- seriously, I just won the major league. You were totally mean, like, famous. Yeah. Wow, that's my boss, man. Woohoo. And my my mic mate. Microphone mate. Microphone meet. I think this is going to be their, our best remote sound that we've had. It's good. It's good. There's no know. bells of Oxford in the background. There's no none of your mom's dishwasher in the background like it was last <laughs> week. Dude, I think that we've done this podcast as many times remotely as we've done it in the presence of you. I would probably argue more. Dude, and, and what's been happening, You, I have to tell you this. Tell me. This is very exciting. Um, uh, Father Peter Cameron, Order of Preachers, uh, many of you know him as the editor of the Magnificat. Has oh. been giving us. I met him in a, a conference retru- in Denver a couple years ago. He's a good guy. He's a good man. He, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he's been giving us a conference on how to preach better. Oh, he's there with you. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's been our last days. And oh, so nice. We've been 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 going over a preacher's guide for actualizing the Sunday gospel. Wow. And and we've been going over like phenomenal things on how to like get uh, you know proposals and preaching and. Oh. Hands moving. <laughs> I you wish you all could see how fast Father Peter's <laughs> hands are moving. <laughs> you just seem amped up on caffeine or something today. I am, it's man. I, well, I, yeah, the dude times is it's, <laughs> it's 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 really fun being with all your priest friends. Totally, because I feel like I make priest friends every year. Do like, you, dude? Okay, we 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 got to get in. Enough it, of this. Man. Enough of this. Enough of this. Father Peter Nick fame Nick and priestly Paddywhack. <laughs> Paddywhack. Let's jump in, man. So we are in the third Sunday of Easter, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> I, nice. We're going to make everything interesting before the scriptures that we talk about. No, them. no, the scriptures. Are, <laughs> stop, stop it. Neat. So we're yeah. in the third Sunday of Easter. and Which means that we um, are going to start off here with um, the battle axe of the apostles. Oh, yes, the battle axe. <laughs> I used that joke at this at the Sunday homilies, and it was it one of the least funniest things I've ever said. Oh. Like people barely laughed. You really should have passed it by me first. I would have told you that. <laughs> I mean, like I, oh. I, I mean, I even. But then what I resorted to just telling them, I said the acts of the apostles. I said, you know, my dad used to say things like that just to poison my mind, so that whenever I heard it, I would always have that reference. I said, so I'm just acting like my father. I learned it from watching him. Did they laugh at that? Yes, they did okay, think good. that was funny. <laughs> good. I mean, whenever you can make a self-deprecating joke about another joke you made, you'll always get the laugh. Yeah. That's, is that's that what exactly the priest it. is teaching you guys about homilies? <laughs> <laughs> he did not go with the self-deprecation oh, on that maybe one. Maybe that's no. tomorrow. No, there's. That's, yeah, he's done. He finished this morning. <laughs> Shoot. Oh, well. <laughs> All right, so Acts of the Apostles. I always think of the, the deodorant Acts every time you say that. Oh, those are bad commercials. They are, and I don't use it. I don't either. Maybe I should edit that out. <laughs> let's let's edit the last <laughs> thirty seconds. Okay, deal. Acts of the Apostles is awesome, and today is uh, is is really funny because the the lectionary cuts out some stuff. I know um, from 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 what what's going on. Which well, is, it cuts out all the discussion that the Sanhedrin actually have as they're discussing what to do with the apostles, right? 
Yeah, and because like right before this, they are they're they're rocking and like people are putting putting out um, folks so that that uh, Peter because Shadow can touch them. They're getting healed. They're getting imprisoned, and then they're getting like the angels are releasing the, uh, Peter from prison, mm. and then you got all this stuff. So like, so they're they're like looking around confused because they remember locking up Peter, but the next thing you know, they they look they look and they're surprise. like, where is this guy? And then it's a surprise, and like. Then they look and then they're like, hey, this guy's like in the temple teaching us. He didn't go into hiding. He's going out completely bold. Which again, I mean, think about it. Remember what we said last week about the nature of Acts of the Apostles. Everything Jesus does in the Gospels, the Apostles do in Acts. So what do you have? You have Peter imprisoned and then people who go searching for them, but he is not there. It's empty. Where is he? He's in the temple. He's preaching. He's doing. It's, it's this imagery of what, everything that Jesus did. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> your face was your face was looking at each other on Skype is just an interesting reality. It, it really yeah, it's is. a cool image though, isn't it? I, I didn't actually the prison part didn't hit me until you were explaining it. And you were like, "Yeah, and they went to look for him and it was empty and he wasn't there." And I'm like, "Oh. Look at that." And 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 the and the captain of the temple and the chief priests were totally confused. Totally. They're like, "What? What is going to happen?" They're like, "You could just imagine like, dude, we put in all that effort to arrest him <laughs> and he's gone." And the, and they're just bonking out of prison. They're just like, bonk, see you <laughs> what later. What else you got? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're bold and they go out. And I mean, and if, so then, if death can't keep Jesus, a prison cell is not going to keep his, his apostles. Exactly. And then so then they go to the temple and they arrest him again, but this time without force. Like, they're not going to mess around. Right. Because, because, because they were afraid of getting stoned by the people. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, because if you took it by force, and they go on cooperatively because they know they're getting out anyway. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> They're like they're happy oh. as can be. <laughs> they're they're like I got sprung last night. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So they're brought to the council, which is the the Sanhedrin. That's what Acts calls them. Just a tiny tiny bit of background. I don't want to belabor I need, this. But I need it because I because I am a little confused about what the Sanhedrin's function. The is. Sanhedrin. It's um. It, it Sanhedrin comes from the Hebrew root of, of seventy. So it's seventy elders. It's basically the high court. Of, Juda- of, of Judaism. It's composed of, of the high priest. He's one of the members and then 70 leaders. Um, most of its members were probably Sadducees. And just here's the background. So, you know, you've, we've heard of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes. In Jesus' time, there's all these different kind of political movements floating around Judaism. Um, and something that this it's remarkable. So the, the nutshell, the, the Sadducees, were the group that basically they were corrupt power. So they were the power structure in Jerusalem. They tended to be the high priests and the officials, but most of them were kind of put in power, or at least got their paychecks or kickbacks from Caesar and from Rome. And it was, it was kind of a whole corrupt system. This started back in the time of the Maccabees when some people started to become high priests who really shouldn't have been. And they, they tag-teamed with Rome. And it was, a, it was a bad situation. So they were the status quo. They were the power structure. The Pharisees kind of came about because they hated the Sadducees. And they said, wait a second, this is a corrupt system. This isn't right. This isn't what God commanded. This is illegal. So we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to basically be the thorn in your side. We're staying right next to you. We're going to be in Jerusalem, and we're going to be calling you out every opportunity we get because you're corrupt. So this is where so much of the debate in Jesus' time comes from. The Pharisees are saying, no, we have to keep the law perfectly, and we have to keep these, you know, we have to look at the prophets and the punishments that were promised and all this stuff. The Sadducees actually, theologically, the Sadducees threw out most of the books of the Old Testament because they didn't oh. want to hear about prophecy or about coming kings or about anything else because they were arguing everything's great. What's remarkable about both of these groups is that their hatred of Jesus brings them together. 
And the Pharisees are thinking, well, he's calling us out as hypocrites in the way we're reading the law. That can't happen. The Sadducees are saying, wait a second, he's threatening our power structure. That can't happen. And so these two completely in, you know, groups that could never cooperate come together over their hatred of him and, and try to put him to death. Kind of like Pilate and Exactly, Herod. exactly right. Yeah, exactly it's, right. It, everything's getting united, which is kind of like uh, the Catholic Church and the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it's like we we just get everybody unites in the fact that we are really bothered. Yeah, them. it's true. That's Bummer okay. for us, but we're in good company at least. Yeah, hey, it's it's the acts of the apostles. Man. <laughs> so that's so that's the Sanhedrin, and that's who they're for. And there's probably a, a smattering of Pharisees among the group too, just to kind of keep them honest. Um, we're not yeah. totally sure. We know that there's at least one because in the part that we don't read at Mass this week, it, it starting in what, verse 33, right where our reading stops, we're introduced to a, a Pharisee on the council named Gamaliel, right? Yes, who is the teacher of Paul. Yeah, we'll find out later on. He's Paul's teacher. Gamaliel is well known in Judaism. He was, his moniker was Gamaliel the Great because he was known as the rabbi's rabbi, the rabbi of all rabbis. He was, he was the best teacher really in the world at the time. He understood the law. Everyone looked to him. And, you know, by the way, that's kind of how Paul gets so much notoriety because what, what's the best marker of a teacher? It's whether they get tenure or how many times they're published. No, it's not. What's the best marker of a teacher? Well, in, in the true sense, it's their students, right? And yeah. so Gamaliel, their greatest teacher, had his greatest student who was this guy named Saul. And it blew everyone's mind when Gamaliel, the greatest of the rabbis, when his greatest teacher actually decided to go out among the non-Jews, among the Gentiles. The most equipped person to go and try to convince the Jewish people of the Messiah was the one who was called to go to everybody else. And who's then called to be the apostle to the Jewish people? Peter. It's Peter, who's the out-of-work fisherman, who's probably pretty uneducated. <laughs> it just shows God's irony, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it is. It's a funny thing. That's why, that's why they sent me up to uh, to St. Thomas in Boulder. <laughs> you're my boss, so I can't make it. <laughs> sure is, man. No. No, you're great, Father I, Peter. I was, you're I the was best. baiting you. Thanks. I think you're wonderful. <laughs> Keep up the good work. <laughs> Dude, th man, now that, that hurt a lot. More I have no good You left me with it. no good That's not true. I love you when I you know it. I know. I love you're you, are very too. good for the job. Anyway, let's move okay. <laughs> So Gamaliel, yeah, and we, we, we skip over in the reading what Gamaliel says, but he basically stands up and he alone gives this warning. He says, you guys better watch out. You know, if these guys, if all this is fake and if these guys are just mere men and they're just speaking what they're speaking, then God's going to put it to an end. But if it's not, if this stuff is actually of God, what they're saying, then we will not be able to overthrow them and we'll actually be found... It says in the text, opposing God, but it literally, in, in, in Greek, it says going to war against God. So we better watch out what we're doing. It, it It's a really interesting little scene that we get. Dude, I, I just got a text message that uh, Therese Chavez is listening to the podcast. Live? But we're No. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I just had to give her a shout out because it came in. Well, well and I, yeah, I think that right here, as we're looking at... Um, Gamaliel saying that we're going to, you do not want to oppose God. You actually have that directly in contrast to what Peter is saying. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. almost like Peter's preaching is effective. He says, we must obey God rather than men. Yes. God raised up Jesus and, and you hung him on a tree and, and they're trying to say, you're put, trying to put his blood upon us. And they're like, yes, because <laughs> <Right. laughs> that will save you. Totally. 
Yeah, totally. And, uh, and and so then so then they do something which is, which is funny because in in the lectionary version, it kind of it goes it goes from this. It says, you know, the uh, we are witnesses of these things is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. And then the Sanhedrin ordered the apostles to stop speaking in the name of Jesus and dismiss them. Yeah. The part that they 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 broke out, it said that. Well, um, let's just pause on that line really quick. Okay, so they called them the apostles. They beat them and then they let them go. Just the beating but, is just the side note. Then they beat them up and then they told them not to preach anymore. Well, exactly. Just the way it's exactly worded it's, is so funny. And they they didn't include that in the lectionary. Oh, they don't. Oh, that no, was your whole point. I just stole your whole point, didn't I? <laughs> you really did. I'm really sorry. I was working up to the climax. Oh, I'm so sorry. Me, I didn't you mean deserve to shake that you. beating. <laughs> so, so there we go. It, it, this is the thing: is that uh, I, I kind of wish they would have included it because you know. So well, yeah, totally. The truth is, is even if you get beat up for the gospel. Um, you will walk away rejoicing. Yeah. Like that has actually the truth of what it means to be persecuted for the faith. Because There's it's nobody not... I know who doesn't have, like who doesn't go out there and put themselves out there and somebody's like, you're stupid, who doesn't like feel hurt yeah. and go like... Yeah, genuine hurt. Yeah, but like, but then you know glory. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about this passage. I mean, if you follow through the Gospels... The disciples are just clueless all the time. They don't get it. They don't understand what Jesus is up to. They don't understand the nature of, of servanthood. And then you you read here that they they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of his name. And if, if you're thinking, Mac, oh man, they're probably thinking about all the things Jesus said that they didn't get at the time, but finally you can see the light bulb has gone off. And they get it now. So if you've read the Gospels and you're frustrated by the disciples and how they just are blind and deaf and they don't get it, Eventually, there will be a light bulb, and they get it, and they're living it out now. It's kind of beautiful. It is. That's why whenever you have a, a somebody who kind of ca- catches some part of Catholic doctrine who's not Catholic, mm. they will inevitably have some sort of situation where they will have to defend it. And as soon as you totally. get somebody defending the Catholic faith who's not Catholic, they're done. They're in the faith. That was they're what here. brought me back. When I had no. pretty much left the faith, I was in a lousy theology class in a, my freshman year of college. And I couldn't have cared less about the church at that point, but this guy was teaching bad Catholic theology. And I was like, I know mm-hmm. that's actually not true. <laughs> and I had to start fighting for this doctrine that I was kind of half familiar with. And that just started the road. And I came back. I fell in love with it. You are right. And then you said this, I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. That's, ex- that's my new psalm <laughs> tone. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm working. I'm working on my my psalm tone. That's good um, creation. I like yeah. it. That was a good one. Give that to Mark Usually, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were okay. off. I'm sorry. Psalm 30. Which you had, you had, you were like, you were getting freaked out as we were starting this podcast yeah, today about that. So I, I did a little. I was just looking back on Psalm 30, and the the title that's um, given at the beginning of the psalm calls Psalm 30 a psalm of David, a psalm at the dedication of the house of David, which means this is a psalm that was probably given or, or, or first read or sung around the time that the, the, the house of David, the kingdom of David is being, excuse me, of being established. So it's ascribed to King David, and it's an interesting thought to think of him praying this or singing this 
right? It, it says basically his kingdom is now being established. And if that's true, then that means he's just come out of this period of his life. Remember the story of David when he's kind of been anointed king, but he's got to be on the run and he's trying to escape from Saul who's trying to kill him and he's out in the wilderness and he's threatened for his life. And finally there's deliverance. And he's he's there, and I, I like. It's kind of fun to picture this psalm being sung at the tail end of that. So he's been escaping all these people who want to kill him. He's been delivered from the Lord. Now he sings this psalm of thanksgiving, which is neat, partially because of the season we're singing this in. What's just happened liturgically? Well, Jesus has just been pursued by his enemies, put to death, but has now been delivered and vindicated. So of course we sing this psalm because this is what David's doing. But that's, so that was the first thing. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then I did a little bit more background reading and I found out that this is also the psalm which was later going to be sung every year at the, the Jewish feast of the dedication of the temple, which in Hebrew, the feast for the dedication of the temple is called Hanukkah, right? Which they celebrate in the winter. It's the, the festival of lights, the Hanukkah celebration. And if you, if you remember what Hanukkah was actually celebrating, Hanukkah, the feast dates from about 165 BC. And this is basically celebrating the time when the Greeks had taken over the temple and they had basically tried to destroy it. But the Maccabee brothers, remember, they fought back and they were vindicated and the temple itself was reborn and sort of resurrected in a certain sense. So now we have Jesus who has just been cut down and resurrected, who is the new temple. And we're singing the very psalm that was sung at the rededication of the first temple. Now that we're rededicating the new risen Christ, who is our new temple. And I was just like, that's really cool. That's freaking me out. I love it. And, it. and you have the line like, "You, oh, Lord, you brought me up from the netherworld. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Resucito. La la. See, it's, it's yes. the psalm. It makes me want to sing. I know it does. Sing more. I, I've been. I've also been watching The Voice, so that makes me want to sing. But <laughs> but every time I sing, that I, I realize that I'm never going to be on The Voice. You might. I've seen some of the people in those outtakes. <laughs> no, come on, man. <laughs> You're good. Stop yeah, making me affirm you for everything. I love you. Stop making me do this. I'm You're not a good you singer, Father Peter. You no, are a great pastor, Father Peter. <laughs> I love you, but you're very handsome, you're Father a, Peter. Your picture is bigger than the Pope's, Father Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're very smart. <laughs> Thank you. And, and you're very kind. Thank you. M- Father Peter and I both have a lot of melancholy in us, so we both need affirmations a lot. We we do. Well, I think that that's actually part of the responsorial psalm too. Uh, is um, is we, they're actually affirming hmm. the goodness of God, even when they're getting their butts kicked. Because oh, it's yeah, he, totally. it says, his anger lasts for, but for a moment. Yep. His lifetime goodwill. Yeah. At nightfall, weeping enters in, but the dawn rejoicing. And like, because you see that being lived out in a really intense capacity in the Acts of the Apostles. Well, you can all, yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's a neat book, I mean, because of course Jesus embodies this on the cross and the resurrection. The apostles are now living it out. But even when he's writing this, I mean, if you read the story of David, he gets this at the time when he's hiding out in the caves in the wilderness and people are trying to kill him. He, at times you see, he gets the fact that, okay, I'm in this terrible darkness, but the Lord will deliver me. He will save me eventually, which is, it, it's a great little bookend, a little sandwich for what Jesus is doing. It was kind of prefigured in David. It's being lived out in the apostles and here he's the centerpiece. It's cool. And it gives us, yeah, and it gives us an opportunity to anticipate what John got to see indeed, in Revelation. Indeed, indeed. So Revelation from the second reading, which we, we tapped into a little bit. This is still the, um, oh no, we're a little bit further in, aren't we? Um, Revelation. I I really studied up on this one before we recorded. Hi, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Well, this is um, – well, no, no, I did. <laughs> Sorry. As, as you're reading it aloud for the first time. No, like, no, no, no. No, no. no and, and this is still the part of the – this is um, – I think we're right in the middle of uh, the letter the, – the messages to the seven churches at this point, aren't we? Because we're in chapter yes. five. Yeah, because it's, it's... Oh, no, we're, we're uh, right at the end. Oh, yeah, that, we're, we're right at the end of it. So the messages have all been given to the churches now. So the way the revelation works, you get chapter one, which is sort of this introductory vision. And that's what we got last week. John is in the spirit on the Lord's Day, which is kind of an old uh, uh, early church um, language for saying he was saying the mass on Sunday. And he saw this vision while saying the mass and he got all these and he saw the vision of the, the risen Christ the, who was standing there before him. And he was given all these messages to give to. And, you know, if we if we understand history, John was the bishop who oversaw each of these seven churches that the, the letters of Revelation are written to. But then at the very end of all of those messages, you get another vision that John gets in, in chapter five. And he sees this lamb who's standing uh, holding a scroll and you get this great um this vision he sees, I saw a lamb standing as though slain. And remember, we talked about this a while ago. It did, in, in the text, it doesn't say standing as though slain. It says, I saw a lamb standing slain. Slain. And here he's seeing that. And, and this is where we get a little description. The, the living creatures and the elders who are standing in the throne room of God are yelling out, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and glory and honor. Um, th- these are, it's going to go on to give a lot of the parts that we actually say in the mass. It's going to go on to have the, the elders and the living creatures shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the things that we actually say at mass. So what John is seeing now is this lamb who was slain, who was cut down like they tried to do with David, like they're trying to do with the apostles. But now he who is slain is worthy and he's standing glorified. And it's, so he's, we're seeing this vision of the embodiment of exactly what the apostles are now doing and what Jesus did. And it's, it's, it's fitting uh, for the Easter season to be looking at that. Well, and, and, and this one is actually a really fun one to use imaginative prayer on. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, man. Cause it says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea cry out to the one who sits on the throne and the lamb be blessing on our glory and might forever and ever. And like, so I, I imaginatively, I think about little cockroaches and they're like, blessing and honor. And honor. Th- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good, that was a good cockroach. Well, I, I'm doing the shoulder thing. <laughs> that was, that was, that was really good. <laughs> and then, th- then you can see emus. And oh, I didn't badgers, think about the emus. Yeah. And, and birds of the air. They're all, uh, they're all crying out. But then actually the, the real imaginative prayer that I love on this one is, taking the moment of when we're singing the holy 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 mm-hmm. and which is just in, in a couple mind, of verses right yeah yeah i actually i shouldn't affirm it because i don't <laughs> i don't know i think yeah oh, yeah it's right or it's right no it's just before this it's at the end okay. of chapter four it's, so we would have just heard that in revelation and and so th- so i just love that moment as we're singing the holy 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 sometimes you can just close your eyes and imagine heaven opened up mm. and all of the choirs of thousands of thousands so it's 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 like thousands of thousands yeah. uh which is millions of of angels <clears throat> surrounding the throne crying out and all of creation yeah. crying out to this lamb and that that's actually what we're doing and we're singing in unison with them at that particular moment in the liturgy yeah. which is which is what I that's why I close my eyes and I sing the holy 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 or the sanctus 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 yeah um 
out of that totally uh, out of out of that imaginative stuff or you can even imagine the lamb as the priest himself yeah um, absolutely standing as because the priest is actually supposed to be uh, having already been buried with christ in a particular and special way yeah. standing slain yep. in front of the community and then uh, in in persona christi capitis yeah What's amazing the amount of metaphors that John mixes around in the book of Revelation, which is which is kind of cool. I mean, this high the high priest who's wearing all these garments is the same lamb who is slain, who is the lion later on. I mean, all these metaphors are being mixed up because you can't contain this thing. It's kind of it's cool. There's no holding him back. He's Jesus. He's up. <laughs> okay. Which okay? Now that we've established that to John, he can, well, he can John again, because John just gave us revelation. Now he's giving us his gospel. It's it's commonly believed that John's uh, the book of Revelation was written before the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John because you, you got the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who really tell the story in very similar ways, and then you have John who just comes out of nowhere and he just he tells you this whole other version. He gives you these details and these this perspective that's not included in these other Gospels, which is why most um, scholars and most of the saints believed he was written after the other Gospels, because he, he assumed sort of you read the other Gospels, and now he's going to give you his own kind of unique take on all this stuff. So the story that we get this week is not recorded in any of the, any of the other Gospels. It's unique to John, I think, right? Well, yeah, well, I, I was actually wondering um, about this, because as we're, as we're sitting, I mean, like— um, Peter and his fishing and mm. uh, like, like the nature of the Zebedee's sons yeah. and all of these folks, you really don't see fish very much in John at all. You don't even see the, the, the pre-fishing stories of him calling. Uh, you don't see, I mean, maybe they no, were you out don't. all night. Yeah, you don't. But so, so, so in, in some ways, this is kind of like the first instance we see of these folks kind of co- coming together to do their traditional behavior. Yeah, you're right. And, and I mean, if you take it in, conjunction with the other gospels i mean where was peter called he was called off of a fishing boat where is he kind of redeemed after his great sin of denying the lord on a fishing boat again so the whole story is kind of coming full circle john doesn't include that at the beginning but if you know the whole story if you've put all the pieces together and and he and he denied well but what john does do is that peter denies uh, Christ around a charcoal fire, and then he gives him oh, the opportunity right. f- yes. for the triple triple reaffirmation. So at he a charcoal fire, at a charcoal fire. Oh, I've never I've never noticed that. That's a good point. Oh, that's it's, cool. It's it's a uh, it's really cool when you're in the Holy Land and and at the space where they believe that uh, wow. that uh, that Peter and Jesus had had some had some breakfast. That is really cool. I've never yeah, yeah. I've never thought about that. Well, here's another interesting thing: is that um, that uh, he calls it the Sea of Tiberias. Yeah, which is not normal. Well, it is. It depends on the language that you're speaking. I mean, different people. You know, it's it's like if you go to Alaska, what we call Mount McKinley, the yep. people in Alaska call it Denali, because that was the traditional Inuit name for the mountain. Down here, you know, some guy named McKinley decided to name it after himself. But the same mountain can be called two different things. Now, I don't know which group is which and, and what name comes from which, but the Sea of Tiberias is, at least in some parts of the in some parts of Palestine, a common way of referring to the Sea of Galilee. Well, here's an interesting thing, Cut which, to, I haven't, to me. which I haven't figured out. John actually says the Sea of Galilee, which is called Tiberias. Oh, he does say that, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and which is just like one of those weird things like, bro, why are you why are you telling me that? And so I don't know, I have this question in my hmm. heart of like 
there is some reason why he's he some detail he's trying to bring out by calling it Tiberius. And so I I was looking at 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 the story of Gennesaret and is that in chapter six? Yes, and and trying to figure out how how that that works. And uh, of course, you know, I'm on the podcast revealing the fact that I don't have an answer to this, (laughs) but but I I uh, you know that's where you guys can help me or you can help me because you're smart even though I'm better looking. Well, the the city, the city of Tiberias, which was the administrative capital of the region of Galilee, was named after um, the Roman emperor Tiberius. So the capital city of the region was named after Tiberius. So I wonder if the people who were faithful to the Caesar would have called it Tiberius. I don't know. I'm just being I don't know. My- Josephus calls the village with the hot springs Emmaus, which is uh, right near Tiberias, which is just kind of interesting. That was in the War of the Jews. Yeah, you're right. That's I Josephus. Huh. It's like how people from Buena Vista call it Buena Vista, and we all call him Buena Vista. <laughs> yeah, I don't, there's that a, has there's a detail to do with there. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just a pet peeve you? of mine. Had to get it out there. All right. Anyway, I love this scene, though, also because so I always think of Forrest Gump when I think of this scene. So here's Peter on his fishing boat, right? It's the Mm -hmm. middle of the night. They're ticked off. They haven't caught anything. And somebody says Jesus is on the shore. It's the Lord. And Peter, remember, he jumps off the boat and he swims to the shore. And I'm always reminded of that scene. Remember in Forrest Gump when Lieutenant Dan comes rolling up on the dock and Gump sees him on the the shrimping boat and he jumps off and the boat crashes into something. But he's just so excited to see his friend. I always think of that scene. But I, if you add another dimension to it, I mean, when is the last time Peter saw Jesus? Well, uh, at the in uh, his condemnation in the high priest's house. At the denial, yeah, when he was being condemned in the high priest's house around the other charcoal fire, when he denied him. So the last time Peter has has seen Jesus was when he committed a really heinous sin against him and denied him and sold him out to kind of save his own, his save his own behind. If I've sinned against somebody pretty tremendously, the last person I want to see is that person. I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to have my head down. And what I love about Peter is he he responds in the exact opposite way. What he wants to do more than anything else is to run and sprint and swim to the very person who he sinned against because he's he's got this trust that Jesus is going to take him back and he's going to forgive him. And he's, he can repent. And there's it, it's the juxtaposition to Judas, right, who also sold Jesus out to gain something. But Judas, Judas and Peter both realize their sin, don't they? But Judas doesn't see any possibility of redemption. He commits suicide because there's no redemption for him. Peter also sells him out, but he runs to him in response. It's, it's just a really neat juxtaposition that John gives us. I think that uh, I think that Peter that like so at some point like near the dawn I think he had some really intense coffee or something because <laughs> because like, you look to. at this yeah because like he he like puts on his clothes right. which which is I started looking at, at like putting stuff on and and um, I don't have any scholarly you know evidence to back this up but um, it really it, it almost looks like um, in uh, Numbers and Exodus, the putting on of the ephod and the 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 vestige, the high, pri- the showing himself to be oh, priestly garments, priestly garments. That's really that, that, cool. that's a cool image, isn't it? I bet the fathers yeah. had a heyday with that. Yeah, so I I just I just thought because I just I just looked at that and I thought okay this could be this there, there's some there's some substance to work with there and uh, but then but imagery. then he does that. 
And then the next thing, you know, so he puts it on, he sees Jesus and Jesus like grabs a fish and he's like, okay. And he like runs out into the water and he's like, and he goes, it's like 150 feet. And he like, like he's like doing anything he tells him. I mean, like he's, he's just totally like caffeinated, man. Dude is amped He's going up. nuts. But I mean, just to go back to your first your original point, <laughs> this is in a, in a real way, this is, I take, forgive my terminology, but for, in a lot of ways, this is Peter's ordination. I mean, he's already been declared. He's already been given the keys. He's already been, you know, the rock on whom the church is going to be established. But it's when Jesus says to him, you know, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, that he commissions him. So I'm, just, I'm struck by what you said. I mean, it's appropriate then as he's commissioned as pope. He's already become pope. He already is the rock. But now he's being oh. commissioned in a certain sense. So it's appropriate that he vests himself in the yeah. garments to, to receive that calling. Because this is really where that happens. It's, it's, that's neat now that you bring that up. I see a lot to that. Yeah, and and he brings him 153 fish. Which, um, who is it? It, it was St. Jerome. I don't think St. Jerome is correct on this, but at the time, St. Jerome wrote that zoologists were convinced that there were 153 species of fish. Which, oh, yeah, yeah. That was that was Jerome. What did I say? Yeah. Yeah, you said Jerome. Okay, good. Yeah. So, I don't Which, know. I'll throw that out there. I don't know. And then I think Augustine said that 153 is the sum of the first 17 integers. <laughs> That's doing quite a bit of <laughs> with, gymnastics with, with, to get with there. 17 uh, representing the combination of divine grace, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the Ten Commandments. That's a lot of gymnastics to do. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong. No, yeah, maybe it's and, maybe it's good. That's that's a great a, point. It's a triangular number as well as, as well as a hexagonal number. Like, dude, this is one of those like, this is one of those moments like, I'm looking forward to the chalk talk in heaven. Oh yeah, nobody seems to get this one, man. But he he points it out so specifically. There were exactly not like there were there were almost 200 fish. There was exactly 153. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting. So there's something going on there, but I don't know what it is. But you know what yeah, I do I, know. What's that? Well, I, and I don't, I don't remember where I, I first heard this from uh, a friend of mine named Tom Smith, who pointed this out. But I don't know if he had gleaned it from somewhere else. But you know that scene when they when they finish eating breakfast and Jesus turns to Simon Peter and he says, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" And there's always kind of been this question: Okay, what what is the these? Do you love me more than these? And I think most people have thought he's saying, "Do you love me more than the other apostles do?" But if you think about where they are, what they're doing is standing in front of a huge heap of 153 fish. Which is not just fish, but I mean, that represents Peter's entire livelihood, which he's given up once. He's already run away from his work and his job oh. and his family and his, his livelihood and his well-being and his financial security. And he's, he felt, maybe he felt burned the first time, you know, where did the Lord go? And now he's kind of gone back to it. Could it be, I mean, what is the these, could it be that he's referencing the fish? Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than your way of life? Are you willing to trust me again? And, you know, forget about these fish, forget about your livelihood, forget about this financial security you have and follow me. I've just always been kind of fascinated by what those these is, but they are standing in front of a big pile of stinky fish, which represent Peter's whole living. So I don't know. Take that for what you will. Yeah. Which is an important question for all of us. I mean, what do we, what do we love? What what is Jesus in comparison to? What are you willing to risk for him? Your relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, your friendships, your livelihood. (laughs) What is it? And if you're not willing to risk anything, it's a, it's a scary reality. Anyway, yeah, I I think I think it too in ministry. I mean, the huge uh, 
collection of fish to where the nets are almost tearing and they're bringing them to the Lord. Yeah. Like you will be fishers of men. We know that from the other gospels yeah. that, it, that it, in, in a certain sense it, that when the Lord determines it and he says, move in this particular way, you do that in the, the amount of work that <laughs> is generated from that is profound. Yeah, it's huge. And anybody who's in ministry knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. It always comes. You never know if it will, but it always does. <laughs> and boy, howdy, it's a lot. And the fields you have are to white. Tape that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, in some ways, it might be a little bit like Revelation, where there's a, a couple of things actually happening with these yeah. fish fish and sheep and um, ordination. <laughs> Speaking of Captain. Yeah, dude, no kidding. I, I Yeah. Yeah. That's cool <laughs> stuff, though. It's really, really cool. But we should call it a day. Yeah, because because we are trying to we're trying to get underneath forty minutes. We're not there. I'm gonna have to edit a little bit, but that's all right. Yeah, we'll get we'll get it done. We'll get two. it, man. We'll get it done this is good minutes. stuff, though. These are good readings this week, aren't they? They are, and I just um, am so appreciative that you guys are listening that you made mm. it this far. Indeed. Tell your friends if you're enjoying Lanky Guys. Tell your friends about us. Send us an email, lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Um. Maybe we'll have a Facebook page up soon. I'm thinking about putting a Facebook page together. I don't know oh, what you'd do with cool. it. You just you could go there and you could click like, and yeah, then maybe, you could maybe go we do could, something else. <laughs> we could like have like a Google Hangout sometime with us. Oh yeah, look at that. That would be weird, man. It would be weird. I don't I don't know who would hang out with us though. I don't either. I would I would be but, there. I would we I would hang out with you. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> You're too busy. Okay. that's right we love you very much thanks for listening everybody have a happy Easter we will see you next week The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado www.thomascenter.org you can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org see you next week